0: This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for Thursday, May 25th. The weather forecast for today, sunny with a high of 16 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, leading mayoral candidates clash in three debates in one day. Number two, Doug Ford laces into Mississauga mayor Bonnie Crombie. Number three, Toronto restores Nathan Phillips Square Canada Day celebrations. Number four, an in-depth report exposes disorder on the TTC board chair John Burnside here at 8.05. And number five, the world mourns the passing of the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Ah,
1: oh, Tina. 5.08 on a Thursday morning. And, uh, yeah, the world is uh, and a, and the pop, culture scene, a poorer place for the passing of Tina Turner. I mean, one thought I had yesterday in looking at this extraordinary life, which came in two extraordinary chapters, is I was stunned that Tina Turner was just 83 years old at her passing because she has been famous, you know, since the late 1950s. But we'll definitely pay tribute on the show this morning because, I mean, just enjoying a lot of her music. And like I said, it comes in two chapters, right? I mean, she is classic r and and rock and roll from the 1960s and then that incredible Phil Spector song. Mad as he was, he was a genius, and it's probably the absolute peak of Wall of Sound, his incredible producing technique, and that's River Deep Mountain High. And then she walks away from Ike Turner, or as apparently somebody on New York radio yesterday called him, Ikey Turner, because, you know, the young'uns, they don't know who these people are. But she walks away from Ike Turner, and actually things were getting pretty obscure and pretty lonely. She was, you know, doing the industrial conventions and and stuff like that. And then she just falls in with the, some of the most incredible songwriters and producers of the 1980s. And I think it is easily arguable that Tina Turner is one of the all timers, you know, like she's up there next to the Rolling Stones and David Bowie. And the eighties were an incredibly fertile time for stadium rock and, you know, group concerts and collaborations. Um, but she was absolutely amazing. And there's one last aspect in all this, which is, as I've often observed of sports figures, that you can be a fantastic ice hockey player, but what is the true nature of your character? You know, what does your core mean? And, you know, people like Jean Beliveau stand out. I mean, I could come up with a shopping list of sporting, Muhammad Ali, you know, there are people who have also turned out to just be remarkable individuals. And Tina Turner was that as well. So, as mentioned, I realize that uh, since her passing mid-afternoon yesterday, you've probably heard a lot of people talking about Tina Turner, so I'm not going to continue now because we've got news to get to. But it's 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 a moment in uh, pop history, and she deserves the uh, the accolades as well. So... Uh, There there were actually three mayor's debates yesterday. I will freely confess, as I had warned you yesterday morning, I think I said I'm not an oblate nun. You know, like I'm not going to spend the whole day just, I'm not a sin eater. I'm not going to spend the whole day watching three debates so that I can distill them all down for you this morning. But I did watch almost to the end last night's Scarborough debate. And I do. I have a few takeaways. One would be like just in terms of how people are coming across and what they're doing. For one thing, it's very, very clear that, you know, of the six candidates who were on stage last night, there are two that everybody else is trying to take down. And one is on the left and one is on the right. One is the leading contender. Another is somebody I think that the Conservative Brain Trust always thought would be a leading contender, but I think is suffering from a failure to launch. So on the left, it's Olivia Chow, who is the leading contender at 25% in the polls. On the right, it's Mark Saunders. And so whoever sort of considers that immediate person uh competition, they're going after them. Um and, you know, just in raw analysis in terms of what I was seeing on the stage last night, I still think Mark Saunders is not really, it just, it doesn't do it for me. Olivia Chow, I'll confess, I've, I've, she's a very nice lady. You know, I've, I've had plenty of time to sit and talk with Olivia Chow, and I find her a very impressive individual but in the debates she just sort of it's almost like oh, like, hey, i got one minute so let's find a way to waste a minute um i think anna Bilau is i'm sort of lukewarm on anna Bilau's performance last night i actually think and i know that this will drive some people crazy because you know i'm, I'm always mindful of the fact that the general pool of people listening to talk radio tends to be more conservative than the general population. And I found Josh Matlow to be the most impressive person on stage last night. I also thought that Mitzi Hunter was doing a lot better than I've seen her do before. And Brad Bradford, who, you know, in a conversation with me not long ago, said that he was trying to find a way to up his game in debates, I thought he also did fairly well last night. So you got your two leading candidates who I found not particularly impressive. The person who was considered to be the front runner because they were the first person in the race I'm kind of lukewarm on. And then you get into uh, Mitzi Hunter, Brad Bradford and Josh Matlow. That's simply my analysis. Maybe you had a different impression and you can always text us at 71010. There was one other aspect, incidentally, to last night's debate, and Mike Catherwood, maybe we can find an example of this somewhere, but they were using this chime slash gong in order to signal. They gave everybody a minute to respond to a question, and then they would hit this chime, and for all the world, it sounded like the arrival of death. It was like gong, Um, but, you know, it was effective. So, here we are, what, the 25th of May, the election is on the 26th, and I think it's starting, I don't think it's starting to gel necessarily, but I think we're closing in on people starting to arrive at what their final assessment will be. And I saw a copy, incidentally, of the ballot yesterday, and it's going to be, I think it's three rows of names and the print looks kind of small but you're definitely gonna have to go looking for your candidate and to my eye i guess maybe we can do a quick little bit of research and uh, find out absolutely for sure but it looked like it was like a foot and a half long and it didn't look like you know um a conventional sheet of paper but that's what happens when you get 102 people running for mayor
0: You're listening listening. to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: On a Thursday morning in a shortened week, but uh, still. Yeah, woke up this morning and thought, really, we got to do two shows before the weekend? Anyway, uh, it's not exactly like moving pianos. So I think we're going to be fine. I am uh, quite jazzed, or as Paul McCartney would say, I'm chuffed that today marks the return to News Talk 1010 airwaves for Emmy award-winning TV and radio journalist, Ann Shatilla. Ann Shatilla, if you've been here for the long journey, when I was doing the afternoon show, she would join me on Thursdays from 5 to 5.30. And just because Ann and I have been friends for decades and because she's amazing, it was a really popular half hour. And uh, she has reported from Los Angeles, California on all kinds of stuff for many, many years. but. Uh, We've been on a a break, I guess we could say, and this morning she's coming back because I thought when Joe Cristiano and I were talking yesterday and plotting the show and we thought, who can pay tribute to Tina Turner? And there were a number of artists, but most of them have already appeared on our airwaves. And then there's Ann Shatilla, who in my view is one of the best reporters I have ever worked with. So she's going to be with us this morning at 8.20 to pay tribute to Tina Turner. Let's uh, take a closer look at uh, some of the day's big stories, some of which have already featured on the five things you need to know. And incidentally, if you're a regular during this portion of the show, you may be saying, where's CP24? Uh, That segment is now at 545. So we'll uh, hook up with our friends at CP24 at uh, 545. Um, But one of the things I was talking about just before the break was Doug Ford versus Bonnie Crombie and somewhat uncharacteristic of what I call the new Rob Ford. Rob Ford at the beginning of his premiership in his first term was peevish and vindictive and lashed out at people and kept on trying to come up with legislation and measures to punish his perceived enemies, most of them on Toronto City Council. And then... There was a lot of people credit this to a change in his chief of staff. And all of a sudden, we got this new, bumptious, go-along-to-get-along guy. But occasionally, we see a gust of the old Doug Ford. And yesterday, while he was making an appearance to talk about industry, all of a sudden, he was kicking around somebody who hasn't even yet officially declared her candidacy for the third-ranked party at Queen's Park three years before an election.
0: Well, my my first reaction is, what took you so long? She's been campaigning for five years. My second reaction is, bring it on. That, that's simple as that. You can't be running for mayor or being mayor and running for a leader. Like, you know, you can't put your butt on both sides of the fence. You know, what what's happening? We're making the largest change in the history of Mississauga and Peel. And this is all about Bonnie Crombie's political... Uh, you know agenda it's not about the people of mississauga i'm going to take care of the people of mississauga and bonnie's going to be running around the province it's not worrying about the people of mississauga in my opinion it's a real slap in the face to the to the residents there
1: all right and i know that many people share that opinion i know jerry does but you know who ran for office while holding another office rob ford Rob Ford was a city councilor, ran for mayor. And I don't remember the same people who are grieving Bonnie Crombie for this, complaining about that. And as a matter of fact, if you wanna say that you cannot actually hold political office while running for office, then what was going on when John Tory was running for reelection? Was he still capable of running the city? Probably. So I'm not, I just, I'm not on the same page, you know, that everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I just, I don't share it because I don't believe that somebody should have to quit their job and then possibly fail in their quest. And then they're out of that particular job. And, you know, in some industries you are compelled to do so. Uh, because there is an obvious conflict of interest, particularly in media. Lots of media people run for office these days. I always say News Talk 1010 seems to be a stepping stone to political um, success because how many of our former on-air talent have held office? But at the same time, I just, I think... You know, and it's up to the voters of Mississauga at the end of the day or the uh, constituents in Mississauga. If they think that Bonnie Crombie is shortchanging them, then they can rise up and, you know, flush her from office.
0: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Ah, Tina Turner passing away at the age of 83. And she really was the full package. I mean, one of the all time voices. And when you watch, in particular, they've been running a lot of this black and white footage from, I guess it's the Ed Sullivan Show. And, I mean, she was sensational as a dancer and singer, and she lived the life. You know, there was a documentary that came out a few years ago that I don't know that it's immediately available, but I imagine it's going to be restacked very soon on whatever streaming service it it was carried on originally and it made it very clear at the end of the documentary that she was done she was living in switzerland she was very happy in a marriage of i think about 20 25 years with a man who most people probably can't name i can't because it was a tremendously private affair and she was just doing her thing so it's it's wonderful that the world is paying tribute to her and i hope she understood and she probably did Um, just how much of a titan of pop culture that she was. So I wanted to reference, incidentally, yesterday Jerry Yeager had a half-hour conversation with Pierre Polyev, and it left me with a mixed impression. Because, I mean, he talks a good talk, but there's also sort of these assertions like he's going to force cities to build housing, and if they don't, he's not going to give them money. And I'm thinking if that worked, then somebody might have tried it before. Um, you know, there may be some other issues about why cities aren't building housing. It's not intransigence. It's, uh, you know, it's a raft of of mostly local issues. Um, but, you know, on things like spending, uh, I think... The future, and I used to work there, the future of the CBC is definitely debatable. And I I had a conversation with somebody quite recently about the fact that the French language CBC is integral in Quebec. It is a player, probably makes money. It is part of the pop culture scene. It is part of the news scene. It has relevant shows locally produced in the French language. Um, I also believe that CBC radio, in spite of the fact that we compete with each other, although not as much as we used to, I have to say, uh, you know, with apologies to my good colleagues, my former colleagues at the CBC, uh, the morning show isn't quite the player that it used to be. Uh, But I believe that radio is still part of the original mandate of the CBC, which is to bind the country and to reflect Canada to Canadians. But The risk of being extraordinarily unpopular in some circles you know it's kind of like the nfb i think it's time to get out of the business of running uh you know a company that produces movies and running a corporation that produces television and if you want to support canadian culture then you target individual projects and you provide funding for something as amazing as schitt's creek but the idea of 24 hours a day of programming paid for by the people is not quite as relevant in the current environment as it used to be. So when he said, you know, I'm going to save a billion dollars, I'm going to defund the CBC, it's not as outrageous as it sounds. But I just want to play one quick clip from that conversation. Because the the, uh, the last reflection on listening to Pierre Polyev for a half hour is he was kind of Jack layton it. Jack Layton used to pivot to the same talking points over and over and over. And I appreciate, you know, you go from CP24 and then you hop into our studios and you say the same thing because it's not the same audience. But after a while, it gets tedious. And Pierre, and it also just sounds robotic. It's sort of like you're an AI system stringing together the same sentence over and over and over again. But I liked one of Jerry's questions. I thought Jerry did a great job. Uh, But close to the end of the interview, he said, you keep talking about gatekeepers. What is a gatekeeper?
2: They're the people that stand in the way of people getting things done.
1: Oh, that's the whole thing? Okay. Can we find a longer clip for later on in the show? Uh, Because it was a very interesting answer. Um, And I sort of get it. But at the same time, it's, it's a posture that is very popular in conservatism these days which is that other people are a threat to you. And then it boils down to things like the roiling issues they're having in the States right now, where the idea that because somebody asks you to call call them they, them, that your life is necessarily impoverished. And that, the, you know, because some parents like going to a library and having a drag queen read to their kids, that your life and your children are being threatened. And so it's a very negative, we're under attack, I'm a victim posture that I'm not a big fan of. I was talking about this report, and actually it was done by our friends at CP24. Um, They obtained, through access to information, one week's worth of records at the TTC of rider complaints. It was from March 24th to March 31st, and this is in the exact same time frame as a 16-year-old was stabbed and murdered in a police station. Now, of the 1,451 complaints that they reviewed, they found, you know, almost like 90% were about bad service, but 9% of the complaints are classified as security-related, and they give you a bit of an impression of what's been happening on the TTC. And what the general impression of would-be users and users of the TTC would be. And, you know, let it be noted, I had an incident, which I've tried not to blow up into anything bigger than it was. I mean, okay, so some deranged man chased me around for a few minutes, uh, but I didn't get stabbed. And uh, we resolved the situation by me getting the hell out (laughs) out of the subway station. But I never complained to anybody. So you always have to bear in mind when we talk about issues of public safety, there are all kinds of people who probably felt threatened over the last couple of days on the streets of Toronto, and they didn't call the cops or they didn't even call three one one. They just thought that was a really lousy morning. But some of the incidents that are described, uh, March 24th, one writer contacted the TDC to say they were on line one when a woman was yelling obscenities at them. The woman yelled threats and pulled out a pocket knife. March 27th, a writer says a man began calling a young girl offensive names shortly after she got on a bus. And at one point, the man spat on the girl, prompting her to flee. And I have to wonder, this is a writer who observed that, who reported it, but did the girl report it? Um, March 30th, a writer contacted the TTC to report that another passenger had stopped in front of them on the subway, began breathing heavily. When the rider asked them to leave and began to walk away, they were pushed to the ground from behind.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
3: to Talk 1010's John Moore for what Toronto is talking about. Hey, John.
2: Good morning. Morning, John. Good to talk to you. Of course, you know, this may not be 2014 when it seemed like there was a debate every five minutes in that (laughs) campaign, but there are uh, several debates took place yesterday, a couple more today.
1: Yeah, exactly. A couple more today. I cannot imagine what it's like to be a candidate in this election and to have to do three debates in one day. And, you know, two of them were one hour apart. The one that I watched was last night at 630. And, you know, a a quick takeaway for you featured Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, Mark Saunders, Anna Bailau, Brad Bradford and Mitzi Hunter. I actually thought that uh, Olivia Chow and Mark Saunders, who were kind of considered the front runners for the left and for the right, were Mm -hmm. kind of week. Mitzi mm. Hunter, who I've not been all that impressed with to date, I thought did a pretty good job. Anna bylaw I'm neutral on. And uh, Brad Bradford had a strong night. I think that's because he's been meeting with his people an awful lot to talk about mm. his strategy because he was uncomfortable with the early debates. And then Josh Matlow, who's uh, kind of a thorn in the side of an awful lot of people, I guess because he just doesn't care if he offends
2: people. <laughs> I thought he did really well. Oh, wow. He's kind of unshackled. Yeah, it's refreshing to see that. Like you said, he doesn't sort of pull any punches at all.
3: Mm -hmm. Interesting take, John. Okay, we'll see what happens. More debates, I'm sure. Uh, And turning to this now, staying, I guess, with the City of Toronto, the City has reversed its decision. It looks like Canada Day festivities will be held in Nathan Phillips Square again.
1: Yeah, I have to wonder what was really going on here, and I Mm -hmm. hope we find out eventually.
2: I had the budget (laughs) okay so apparently we've uh, unfortunately lost John Moore there but as John was just alluding to there are really interesting turn of events yesterday we came up on air and we're mm-hmm. talking about the fact you weren't here Jen right that's not what we were talking about we were talking about <laughs> the fact that, that Canada Day uh, it's not uh-huh. that it's a regular thing fireworks at Nathan Phillips Square every year right. but there was a plan in place for this year <clears throat> to have it mm-hmm. then it was sort of put aside slash canceled. a bit of clarification maybe some nuance on how that actually was uh-huh. and then there was a lot of pressure a lot of backlash people saying come on we gotta have fireworks gotta at Nathan have, Phillips yeah. Square so then somehow during the day, Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor, meets with city council, the, uh, like, sorry, sorry, city staff, mm-hmm. that has sort of made that decision. Uh, and suddenly there was this reversal. And as John was alluding to, we've reconnected with John right now. John, sorry for uh, cutting you off with all that dramatic music. Uh, but yeah, what a, what a turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the dramatic turn of events at <laughs> City Hall exactly. yesterday. Exactly, fireworks. When it came to the uh, fireworks, I suppose. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're done with that story. It's, yeah. The party's back on. Bring it yeah. on.
2: Yeah, okay, so let's move on to the uh, what could shape up to be a really interesting battle in a few years' time. Doug Ford potentially versus Bonnie Crombie. She's running, of course, for the Ontario leadership, Liberal leadership, and he calls it a slap in the face to Mississauga
1: it was a bit of a distraction i think for doug ford because yesterday he was supposed to be making some sort of a very feel-good industrial announcement and instead i guess out of nowhere he decided to lash out at bonnie crombie his complaint is that she plans to run for the liberal leadership but she also plans to stay on for the time being as mayor of mississauga he said you can't be mayor and running for leader you can't put your butts on both Mm. sides of the fence it was uh, kind of a rare um, outburst, and I think an indication of the fact that the Conservatives actually fear Bonnie Crombie as the leader of the Liberals.
3: Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, or you can't have... Uh, your feet on different boats straddling at the same time. Maybe you can if you have good balance, so uh, we'll see what I, It was interesting
2: because right? I asked her that question the other morning when she came on and announced and you know she said you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to do this evenings, you know weekends on my own time, I'll still be mayor, but she mm. basically said she was going to cut back on maybe some of the cultural events and the, some of the other evening events that mayors are typically seen at. Uh, because it is, it's curious to think that you could run for the leadership of a big party like that and not commit everything to it here but again she's saying you know she's right holding on to the job for the time being so it's it'll be, it, i think that's going to dog her a little bit throughout this mm-hmm. So, okay turning to
3: this now john uh, cp24.com i guess our, our web team has done an investigation that reveals a concerning complaints made to the tdc
1: This is, uh, through access to information, a week's worth of complaints to the TTC. Now, most of them are about bad service and rude bus drivers, but 9% of them are about drug use in the subway. They're about people pulling knives. They're about indecent acts. So I think, once again, this gives us a fairly chilling picture of what it's like on the TTC and one of the reasons why it's hard to get people back on it.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It's, uh, the, the numbers really do reveal the sort of situation and a concerning uh, situation of customer complaints. Uh, John, we've got to end it here. Uh, Tina Turner, such a legend, such sad news yesterday when we found out that she died.
1: Yeah, passing away at the age of 83, and I'll leave paying tribute to her, to those who are better placed as cultural critics, but what an incredible life. I mean, an amazing individual, a towering voice, fantastic dancer, and two amazing chapters in her life where she was part of the black and white 1960s with all kinds of Motown, Mm -hmm. and then she leaves Ike Turner and she becomes this towering star in the 1980s, and just continued along. you know if you watch the interviews as uh, this very self-prepossessed fantastically centered individual
2: yeah just amazing an amazing talent and uh sad news indeed mm-hmm. all right john moore thanks so much you can always catch john moore live on news talk 10 10 5 to 9 mondays and fridays john we'll talk tomorrow have a great day okay.
1: all right so that's our friends at cp24 and apologies to those listening on the radio for a degree of chaos we lost our signal briefly And, you know, then when when we got back, well, when we got back, it was fine. But for anybody listening, if you're driving along in the car or you're sitting in your home office and you're thinking, what the heck? Um, Yeah, a bit of a technical snafu. But that's what happens when you're doing live TV and live radio at the same time. A few other things that are definitely on the agenda as debatables today. One would be that the governor general apparently got a pay hike in uh, In this particular year, twenty twenty three Governor General pocketing nine thousand five hundred dollars more in pay for a total of just well, actually, here is the total, three hundred and fifty one thousand six hundred dollars. And all I can say for that, I, mean, I guess I got two points. One would be we come up with these formulas to calculate what mostly elected officials, but public officials, Make in terms of salary, and we try to regularize it. So, for example, a few years ago, rather than having this stupid situation where your pay would be frozen for 10 years and then you get a massive raise, um, in most jurisdictions, jurisdictions, we came up with the formula that people would have pay hikes in line with inflation and we would just have done with it, and every year they'd get a little more. Uh, and then Every time these elected public officials or these public officials get a pay hike, everybody complains about it, even though we came up with this idea that this was how the whole thing was going to be done. The other would be that either you want a governor general or you don't. Like the fact that there's a a clothing allowance for the governor general, if somebody was not the governor general, they probably wouldn't have as much clothing. You know, I forget who it was the other day who was insisting that I should be thinking about becoming the Lieutenant Governor. The only problem with that isn't I don't believe in the monarchy anymore, but it would be kind of a cool job, you know, cutting ribbons and shaking hands and hopefully making people happy. I was a huge fan of David Onley and I'm a fan of Elizabeth Dowdswell. But if I were to get that job, I would have to high myself to Tom's place and get probably like six or seven more suits. If I was not in that job, I wouldn't have to wear those suits. So, you know, I mean, either we're in or we're out when it comes to things like the governor general. And, you know, either you're in or you're out when it comes to people bitterly complain about Justin Trudeau having servants while ignoring the fact that Pierre Polyev has servants. You know, Justin Trudeau decided not to have a dresser. Stephen Harper had a dresser. And instead, Justin Trudeau hired a second nanny because he has a bunch of kids. So again, either you believe the, the prime minister, just don't make it a partisan thing. I mean, if you weren't mad about Stephen Harper's dresser, then please don't get mad about Pierre Polyev's butler and Justin Trudeau's nannies. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.